right. Hey, folks, this is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook. This podcast is coming out on August 24th, 2021. In this show, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Matthew Willis, the CRNA who created and produces the educational app Master Anesthesia, which is available from the App Store and Google Play Store. Master Anesthesia has over 1,500 positive reviews in the App Store with an average five out of five star rating. I know this podcast is an hour long, so I'm going to give you a quick primer on the app now just for those of you who are wondering if this episode is actually worth your time. I've been using this app for the last several months, and I'm super impressed at a few things. One, it's packed with real-world information that's evidence-based from case tips to pharmacology. Two, the calculator is amazing. It's so easy to use and gives you all the information you really need super fast. More on that in just a sec. Three, Matthew has made crowdsourcing the continued build of the app super easy. He's looking for people to contribute so the quality and scope of the app will continue to improve as more people make contributions. It's like a curated Wikipedia app focused specifically on anesthesia content, and you get recognition in the app for your contributions. And lastly, the app is 100% free. My other go-to anesthesia app costs me 100 bucks and only gives me half the information Master Anesthesia does with no calculator. I have to pay another $100 for access to the coexisting disease information, which I've not done yet. I can't say enough about how significant it is that Matthew has kept this app completely free for the anesthesia community, and he continues to dump an incredible amount of personal time building it despite having a full-time job and a family. The Master Anesthesia app is quintessential free open access medical education, or FOAM, a concept I recently talked about on the podcast in episode 34. FOAM removes paywalls and financial barriers so healthcare providers and importantly, students and residents can access leading content for free. So this app is completely free, but Matthew needs your support in non-monetary ways, which we'll talk about in the podcast. For the first 30 minutes of the discussion, we unpack the app and its features. And in the back half of the interview, Matthew discusses how he started the app as his DMP project and what fuels his motivation now. So the app features a rundown on common surgeries, pathological conditions, anesthesia-related drugs, and a super high-powered calculator. This calculator is really unlike anything I've seen. It tells you everything from common vital signs, airway device sizing, tidal volumes, drug and fluid calculations, and local anesthetic dosing, all based on the weight and or height of your patient. The local anesthetic dosing also does combined medication dosing, so you can rapidly see the remaining maximum dose amounts in volumes based upon what you've already given for any concentration of local you plan to give. It's amazing. If you only get the app to use the calculator, it would be worth your time and effort to get it onto your mobile device. All right, so who is Matthew Willis? Matthew has a background in finance, web, and mobile design. He received his undergraduate degree in nursing from Boise State University in 2014 and completed his doctor of nursing practice and anesthesia training at the Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center in 2019. He currently works as an independent anesthesia provider in Iowa and has a wife and four children he labels as beautiful. I reached out to Matthew after I made a suggestion on content within the app, and he graciously agreed to come on Anesthesia Guidebook to share his story. Again, Matthew currently is not making any revenue off Master Anesthesia, and I have no financial connection with Matthew or this app. This episode is just good old storytelling with no conflicts of interest. And with that, let's get to the show. 
Well, Matthew, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are the creator. You're the man behind the curtain of probably one I of the, the most popular and newest anesthesia educational apps available. So, which is of course, Master Anesthesia. What's, what's your goal with the app? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? So initially I, when I started my training in, in school in Louisiana, <clears throat> I saw some pretty gaping holes in terms of finding the answers that I needed to quick. So there was some really verbose um, answers out there. I could, I could look up stuff in research studies or in uh, books, could look up, uh, look up some stuff even in apps that are already out there. And it just seemed the, the whole process was just difficult. And as you know, in, in anesthesia school, it's like every question that you ask is a dumb question. So, and, and you are in, you know, in school, you are, you are in essence dumb on specific subjects and that's okay. That should be okay. Uh, but it was very difficult sometimes to find answers either through my, through the people I was precepting with, or even, even as a, as an appeal to textbooks or, or apps, uh, a lot of times you were getting conflicting answers. So the goal from the get go was, was almost like a, can I, can I do this? Can I, can I create a, something that's a very quick reference that would provide a really good clinical answer to these questions that I had going into clinical every single day? Yeah. So initially the, the goal was, was, or at least the, the object was just to see if I could even do it. And since then it's, it's evolved into, into what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Which we'll get into and have you describe it a little bit. So, yeah, sure. uh, so obviously there's other apps out there, you know, another leading anesthesia app costs around a hundred dollars. Yours currently yeah. is free. So coming into this market, I'm sure you're familiar with the other anesthesia apps. I mean, what, so you said that you felt like, you know, either they didn't have what you were looking for or the speed of accessing information. So how is, how is master anesthesia different from some of these other educational apps? So again, kind of going back to what I said, you know, some, most of the, most, a lot of the apps out there I used initially and kind of gave up on, there was, there's a couple of helpful tips that I was able to get from them, but the primary difficulty or the primary complaint that I had was really clunky. And sometimes the interface was, was not very user-friendly. Uh, information a lot of times was good, but again, it was very verbose. So I think that's what's really sets master anesthesia apart is it's a very quick, uh, I, I find it a very smooth interface, very quick to get the answers that you're looking for on, on any particular subject. Yeah. When I did my, my project on this, I, I found a bunch of research, and what it said was that the uh, the typical clinician, when they're when they're out there and and talking to folks and putting together their anesthetic plan, if they don't find the answer in about two to three minutes, they're going to give up and and keep moving. And usually, there's at least one question that will come up for every one to two patients, so almost a question per patient. Now, wow. this is by the research that I did. So, um, what's even more staggering is that the amount of questions that go unanswered in the clinical setting is about two out of three. So, so you figure if you've got almost a question per patient and you're going through, let's say six or seven, let's say for the sake of numbers, eight patients in a day, 
you're going to go, you know, roughly five to six patients that you don't find the answer to the, to the question. So that's a lot of questions that go unanswered in a day. And one of the, uh, one of the primary reasons, one of the primary reasons that I, I developed this thing was to find quick answers to those, to those questions. So if you're asking kind of what's, what's different about master anesthesia, I, I started it from the very beginning with, with the interface as well as the information aimed 100% at the working clinician, the, the person that's out there needing to get answers like right now before their case. Yeah. So that's, that's really what kind of sets it apart. I think. That's awesome. That's remarkable that two out of three questions go unanswered. And I, th- I think what's really interesting about that is that, um, I, I would probably agree with some of those stats, you know, I mean, from my, from like, obviously if they're out there, that's, that's the truth, right? If you, if you've researched that and, and that's what's in published literature, right. but just from my own personal experience, you only have a couple of minutes between cases. So if you're trying to search up to date or search some sort of pharmacology app or whatever to figure out, you know, a cross reaction between something, if, if exactly. it doesn't pop right up, then you're moving on and you're going to do the best you, you can move. or change your plan yep. or whatever. That's right. Yeah, that's interesting. So, well, Matthew, give us a tour of the app in terms of like what you've built into it. You've got different categories of information in there. And, and at what, what stage are you at with the app? Is, you know, how much of it is completed? How much do you still anticipate to build out? Definitely very much just still build out. It's, it's far from completion. And I can go through some of those things that we're, we're looking to add to it here uh, in, a, in a bit. But I'll take you through first what, what we've got. So the, the homepage was initially designed to kind of be an announcement area. If you go to the homepage, it's got it's got the opportunity to kind of uh, plug in your badge, which is something that will show up at the bottom of, of these posts if you've contributed to one of the posts that's on this app. And there's a place uh, to actually make announcements. There's no announcements on there right now. And then there's there's a little bit of a place there to, you know, give back. Give back a little love. It says give a little love on it. And um you can uh, click there and share that with, you know, share the actual app with your friends. Um, there used to be a little place to, to actually contribute um, a little bit of monetary uh, funds. And, and I actually got quite a bit from the users initially, uh, which was which was so nice. I put that up almost as a gag. I, I didn't think that I would get very many, um, many responses, but I did. And, uh, and it was super sweet of the folks that uh, contributed a little bit. It was, it was a buy me a coffee. But uh, both Apple and Google kind of put the kibosh on that. Uh, they don't. They don't want me making any money without uh, without contributing it back to them. So, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's no longer a thing. Um, there will be uh, there will be opportunities for that later on. Uh, but I'll I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm I'm actually not after the monetary gain. Yeah. Um, on this. Um, so I didn't mind taking that down too much, uh, but it was super nice of the folks that contributed initially. But basically, anyway, like so, the, the rule would be like, you can either post your app for sale within their store, so they get a kickback, but not a donation button within the app that goes directly to you. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So if you have if you have anything uh, going to a uh, uh, buy, I was I was using buy me a coffee. If you have anything going to buy me a coffee. And uh, and you're potentially making some monetary gain on that. They will shut that down and not let you uh, publish the app anymore until that's until that's off. Interesting. That's both. That's both Apple and Google. Yeah. Yeah. So if if I was to set up a system to uh, to make a in-app purchase, which is uh, or even or even 
uh, you know, some some monetary value on the app itself. Well, then obviously they're they're all game for that because they'll take a they'll take a slice off the top. Yeah, they got to get theirs. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. They don't want you getting yours. That's for sure. Unless they're getting theirs. Oh man. So, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. So you got this homepage. You've got now uh, a give a little love button, which takes you to a space where you can either share the app with friends or rate the app, but no monetary contributions in there. So what other what other portions in the app are are built into it? So we've got uh, we've got multiple uh, categories. Now you'll you'll notice that on on every single one of these categories is an opportunity up at the top right to uh, contribute, and and that's just uh, either making a, a app suggestion, or you can uh, you can actually contribute your expertise, which is very welcome. It's something that that I'm I'm constantly trying to encourage uh, from the community because that that actually helps build the content and gives it validity and. The next category you'll see uh, is surgeries. Now, surgeries, I designed this from, again, all of these categories um, from the bottom up to try to be something that you could reference and get the answers to real quick. Now, I figured with surgeries, one of the primary questions asked is, how, what approach do you take? What anesthetic approach do you take on a particular surgery? And so you'll notice that in kind of the subheadings of, of that list in surgeries, You've got different approaches from the I've tried to design this from the most common down to the least common um, approach for for doing these surgeries. So if you're going into a new surgery and you haven't done it for a while, you can go in here and write from the list. You can see exactly um, the approach that you need to take. If you want a little bit more of a verbose answer to that, you can click on it and go in and get uh, get the different approaches, get the primary considerations, the general considerations, et cetera. So. Uh, so that's that's pretty much all there is for surgeries. Conditions, which is the next tab over, the red tab. You go into that, and again, the primary concerns uh, when being faced with a new condition, um, such as the top one being acromegaly, you'll be wondering, what in the world do I do with this? And so my first approach was to make subheadings that basically tell you the big points of that particular condition. So in that case, it's a difficult airway. You're going to be potentially facing hyperglycemia and hypotension. Again, going into that post, you'll get you'll get a more verbose answer. Yeah. Uh, but again, if you're if you're on your toes and running from from case to case, uh, that might be all you need. Oh, that's interesting, uh, right? So just to be clear on that, like, so you click on the tab that says conditions, and then the whole list shows up. There's so there's probably seven or eight. Yes things that you can see and you can immediately start scrolling alphabetically through the list or you there's a search function at the top and then under acromegaly you've like on this scrollable screen with all of the other conditions right under that in smaller font you've got difficult airway hyperglycemia hypotension so like kind of the three bullet point type top things to remind you or, or jog your memory the next one acute epiglottitis right under that it says avoid stressors difficult airway so you've got that these little bullet points and then you can click on the thing and then it pops up the whole uh, post on acromegaly or epiglottitis or whatever you're working through. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And we've got uh, got more than a hundred of these conditions, I believe. Yep. Um, but yeah, you can get a more verbose answer if you're, if you've got the time, but again, these, these were all designed to be able to, to glide through in less than five minutes. So the the object and design of of this um, of this layout was to be able to get the answers that you need within uh, between three and five minutes. 
Yeah, great. Uh, there are there are a couple that that um, obviously breach that that time because they're much more complex. But again, every time I create one of these posts, it's it's all completely designed to get get the answers that you need really quick going in the door. So great. And at the bottom of of most of these posts, there are citations for where you're pulling the information. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Now, um, having said that. I'll tell you that the, uh, the surgeries, um, kind of taking the same approach in terms of the, the subheadings underneath the list, you know, everything from, from those surgeries, um, I'll pull up, there's, there's, uh, resources there if, if they're at the bottom of the page. Um, but for the most part, those surgeries are really based on, um, clinical experience, yeah. uh, both from myself and from, from the community that have sent suggestions. And so I would say that, on the side of the surgeries, you're looking much more on a um, an experience base um, collectively with the uh, with the citations, whereas with the conditions, um, you're looking at more uh, much more uh, textbook heavy, okay. um, research heavy. So okay, so we've got we've got surgeries, conditions, and then the next category is drugs. So tell us about that. Drugs, correct. So that's that's one of the latest additions. I think it was in the last couple months that I added that. Um, so getting, getting a lot of, uh, feedback, wanting a drug section. Um, and I totally understand that because I'm in the field. Uh, so the drugs, uh, was designed again to, to get quick answers right now. I've just got the class of drug that it is underneath, underneath the, uh, the drug itself. And hopefully that jogs some of the memories, you know, in terms of what that particular class of, of drug does. Yeah. And so, um, that's all I've got under, under that for right now, but as you go into it, you're going to see, you're going to see class, you're going to see effect, you're going to see onset, peak, and duration. Um, if you go a little bit further down, the gold was in the, um, in the um, IV uh, dosages and the, uh, the drip dosages, all of those things, uh, again, designed to be uh, bold heading, very, very quick reference should you need, need it in the clinical atmosphere there. Excellent. Excellent. And then the next category is a pretty simple acronym list. So yeah, just alphabetical, yeah. all like the TLAs, the three letter acronyms and, and two exactly. letter and four letter acronyms that are out there in healthcare. Yeah, exactly. And again, this is, I would imagine the most people using that particular category is going to be the students. When I, when I first walked in and they were throwing acronyms left and right, I, you know, um, some of them I knew, some of them I had to jog my memory on. Yep. Um, and there wasn't, there wasn't a very, very complete reference. And if you try to Google it, you're getting, you're getting acronyms from every industry. So this one is specifically aimed at, um, anesthesia providers. And, um, and it's got, I think it's got a little over a thousand. Um, yeah, it's a pretty extensive it, list. So. And, and, and it's interesting, I think, to put something like that into an app because, I don't know. It's not something that I would say a lot of like practicing clinicians think about because you kind of learn as you go. But for for a learner, it's probably pretty helpful to have like you filter out your Google response when you type, you know, a three letter acronym into Google. You're going to get any kind of industry possible and organizations that pop exactly. up. But this is all, you know, healthcare focused, which you know, as simple as it may be with, uh, you know, if you're, if you're just kind of getting into the world of healthcare, either as a, as a nurse or pre-hospital person, or even a med student, you know, or if you're getting into anesthesia as an SRNA or an anesthesia resident, this could be pretty helpful. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And then your last category is 
a functional category that folks can interact with, and it's a, a series of calculators. So you click on it, and you exactly. get the option of working with either adults or pediatrics by a toggle tab. And tell us about uh, the function of the calculator. So the function of the calculator, I, when I was in school, I noticed that there was there was a few variables that most calculations came down to, and it was it was the height, the weight, and uh, the age. Um, in a lot of cases. So um, in, in most cases, uh, or at least in some cases, there was, there was male or uh, gender involved there as well. So I've got, if, if you're looking at the app there, I've got, I've got those variables. So as you, as you drag that, that bar across, you get, um, you get a changing kilogram, you get a changing height, and you can, you can plug in the gender with, with the same means. And what that does is it immediately gives you ideal body weight, adjusted body weight, uh, lean body weight, the BMI, habitus, uh, tidal volume. Now, what people have found especially useful uh, in this particular category is is the actual pediatric sliders. So yeah. you go into the, the uh, pediatric and there's two variables. There's the, the age and the weight. And as you, as you pull the, the age slider across the screen – You'll notice down below you get all of the normal body weights for that for that age. Um, this was particularly tricky to to put together because I was dealing with months. Um, in the case of earlier, you know, uh, young young pediatric patients, and then you're dealing with years in the in the in the older yeah. pediatric patients, and um, that was particularly tricky to to put together. But it ended up being a very very nice product. So in the end, you get all of your all of your normal vitals for whatever age that pediatric patient is. Um, and it will also spit out really quickly the equipment that you need, including uh, ETT um, depth, ETT size, um, your blades, your masks, your uh, LMA size, and your oral airways. So, again, most stuff that you would need to look up in a GIF if you're not doing a lot of pediatric cases. For those who are great at peds, I would imagine some of these stuff comes uh, second nature, but for those of us that are doing mostly adult patients, it's uh, you know the pediatric stuff is few and far between. So yeah, um, it's it's nice to have a good reference for sure. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I would say you know I I would not call myself a pro at all of the different anesthesia apps out there, but I would say this is maybe the first calculator that I've seen that with sliding function actually changes all of the information spit outs in terms of. Typical vital signs, ET tube, size, depth, blade choice, mask, LMA size, and oral airway size. Like literally as you're sliding the weight, those variables are changing in real time in terms of how you program the app. And then just, exactly. to be, just to be clear about what you were saying was challenging to build out. So for instance, I've got the patient's weight on three months, right? Excuse me, the age on three months right now. And then the, the weight range goes, you've programmed it from zero kilograms to 7.3 kilograms. But slide that up a little bit. Six months, you've got zero kilograms, and the slider goes up to nine point six kilograms. Slide on over. Now right. we got a we got a twelve year old kid. You start off at thirty kilograms as your lowest possible weight, and you go up to sixty six kilograms. So you have linked like these appropriate weight ranges for the age of the child on real time sliders that then are shifting data below that in terms of vital signs 
tube depth, size, mask, LMA, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, uh, yep, you got it. I, I, I'm tech savvy enough to do a podcast, but but this looks pretty advanced <laughs> in terms of like programming. Yeah, it's uh it was a, it was a tricky one to put together. Um, but it was, you know, for those of us that are, that are geeks in in coding, uh, something that was, was challenging, but it was, it was fun to put together as well. Well, nice job. Um, and then, and then at the bottom, so you've got these other, so not only is just, is this data just kind of changing as you slide these, you know, uh, weight and age variables around, but you've got four clickable tabs at the bottom of the calculator, and those are fluids, drugs, blood, and local. So tell us about exactly. what's going to happen when we touch those buttons. So what's really neat is whatever whatever variables are needed for those particular categories, you don't have to re-plug in those values. If you're looking for, uh, let's say, the, the dosages of a, of a particular drug, all you do is you plug in the, the weight and you uh, click the drug button, and it pulls the the weight over, and it also pulls over your ideal body weight for those uh, for those drugs that you need um, ideal body weight calculations for. So, um, so it pulls all of that over, and it it punches out every uh, well most of the anesthetic drugs uh, that you use on a day to day basis, both milligrams that you'll need, and and also mLs for the typical vial size. Yeah. Which is remarkable. So what you're saying again is that, so for instance, I've right now, my slider is set on a two-year-old 14 kilogram or 30 pound pediatric patient. I click drugs and immediately I've got a list of, I mean, it's, I don't know, probably 20 different, maybe 30 different drugs on there, but propofol uh, shows me the milligram dose range from 27.2 to 40.8. You've got the calculation there that you're using at two to three milligrams per kilogram. Then right below that, you've got per a 10 milligram per mil concentration, the mils of the above dosing. So obviously exactly. 27.2 milligrams to 40.8, you're looking at 2.72 mils to 4.1 mils. And you've got that same kind of arrangement for, as you said, most of the common medications, including a pretty hefty list of antibiotics at the end that are all weight-based and, and programmable in here. So pretty slick, it. man. Well, thank you. The uh, the re most recent additions I've I've added uh, actually uh, the other three categories, which is blood, local, and fluids. The most yeah. the most recent is the local anesthetic calculator. So um, you can go in and choose the local anesthetics that you're using, and again, using uh, bar sliders on however much you've used on each of those local anesthetics, it'll punch out how much uh, how uh, toxic I guess your patient is. And it'll tell you how much uh, drug you have left until you're at 100% toxicity. So, again, one of those one of those calculations that's uh, that's sometimes difficult to do on the fly in yeah. the clinical setting. This punches it out in a matter of in a matter of seconds. So, so what I did was I touched the. So I've got the same two year old 14 kilogram patient. I hit the local button. It pulls up a list of lidocaine, bupivacaine, ropivacaine, mepivacaine, and the various uh, concentrations with or without epi of those medications. So I'm going to hit quarter percent plain, hit the go button. And now I'm, I'm on a new screen that gives me, uh, a slider from zero milligrams given to the max dose, which for this patient is 26 milligrams or 10.4 mils. And then the slider is how much I've given. So I'm sliding along and I'll go to about the halfway point. So let's say I've given, 
uh, 12 milligrams or 4.8 mils for some reason of quarter percent bupivacaine, it shows me immediately that I'm at 40%, 46% of a toxic dose and I can give another 14 milligrams or 5.6 mils. And I got all that exactly. info by just moving my finger across the screen. I can slide that on up and go, okay, well, what if I gave, you know, 20, 20 milligrams or eight mils, I'm at 77% tox with 2.4 mils left. So pretty quickly, I think when you're sitting in the OR, you know, you could tell a surgeon, hey, you've got this many mils left by using this calculation that you've built. Exactly. Now, the neat thing is, is uh, you, you only used one, one local anesthetic. So you can, you can select multiple anesthetics, uh, local anesthetics and hit go. And as you slide it across, you'll notice that um, it not only adjusts what's left of the drug that you're giving uh, or that you've given, but it'll also adjust how much you can give of each of those uh, each of those local anesthetics, those other local anesthetics. That's very interesting. So uh, this is your, but wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Moment. That's right. Uh, so so <laughs> so same patient, thirteen kilograms. I've now selected just for fun. 1% plain lidocaine, 0.5% plain bupivacaine, hit go on that. And let's say, I don't know, for whatever reason, I'm not thinking about a clinical application, but let's just say I've given uh, 17 milligrams of bupivacaine, which is 65% of the tox dose. As I'm sliding up to that 17 milligrams, I'm looking at the 1% lidocaine slider and my dose is literally reducing in real time. So it's showing me you know, I start off with the ability to give 65 milligrams of lidocaine. And as I put that bupivacaine around 50% of its tox dose level, just 13 milligrams uh, out of a 26 milligram dose, my lidocaine went from 65 milligrams down to 33 milligrams, which obviously like that's a 50% reduction, but pretty neat exactly. that you could, you know, say you take this up to, I don't know, randomly, I just stopped at 85% on the half percent bupivacaine. So I could give four milligrams or 0.8 mils of that bupivacaine, and I'm down to only 10 milligrams or one mil of lidocaine left on this 13 kilo patient. So exactly, pretty clever. And you can do that with multiple, and like I could add a third local if I wanted to. Yes. Oh yeah. You can yeah. add, um, you could add all of them if you wanted to. I mean, there's, um, <laughs> what is that? There's, Thanks. 12, uh, it looks like 18 possibilities right yeah, now nice. on there. Nice. Uh, you could add all of them and, uh, and do it, but it starts, uh, it starts getting pretty calculation heavy. Right. Um, and it's something, something that I didn't like about the outcome of this was, um, you'll notice as you kind of drag the, the bar, it'll start kind of, uh, kind of lagging behind. <laughs> so you got to kind of drag it slow. Uh, especially if you've got a ton of local anesthetics in there. Uh, but most of us are going to only be working with, you know, two or three perhaps with a patient. So uh, for that, it handles it just fine. But, um, but here going forward, um, I'm planning on having at, uh, and actually at the, at the request of several people that have, have used this already. Um, I'm going to have a, an option here where you can just click the number and uh, you can just manually enter it instead of sliding it because I guess the slider is a little ungainly for uh, oh interesting for those for those of us that kind of have uh, bigger fingers and can't can't let go of the slider without it changing. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so anyway, so if you, so if you get if you got nubby coming. nubby fingers, 
Uh, just That's wait because right. an update's coming. Yeah, it is <laughs> no interesting because those out there with nubby fingers. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I mean, you, you are telling the truth that it's it's very precise in terms of yes. You know, you you barely move your finger. I'm at 43% tox level right now at 136 milligrams on 2% lidocaine, and it takes some finesse to just up update that by like 0.1 mil to slide over. Exactly. So, so yeah, I could see if you already have given, you know, 13 mils of something, you just want to plug in 13 mils and then see what's left. So exactly. Versus doing a and slider. Coming. Yeah. Nice. Well, man, I would say that's probably one of the more finessed calculators that I've seen in terms of uh, the anesthesia world. So I, I would imagine that people would find that pretty helpful. Well, I'll tell you, John, there's, uh, there's nothing out there like that. I I've <laughs> looked and um, <laughs> that's uh, that's actually a, one of the uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is that calculator. I think uh, I think it would save uh, for the average person out there working and, and understanding how this how this calculator works. It's going to save them a lot of time. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's minimal effort to get these get these values that you're needing quick. Yeah. And so a couple of questions on this. So. So we were talking before we hit record that you're able to see like what people are hitting on the most within the app. And you're seeing that the calculator yes. is yep. something that people are really going towards. Yes. Yeah. The calculator is the primary, um, or at least the, uh, the biggest attraction. I would say a lot of folks out there, uh, couldn't find a, a good calculator. I know that there are some out there, uh, but again, their interface is pretty, pretty clunky. But there is also there's an awful lot of traffic uh, on the other categories. I'd say the least uh, the least used category is is the acronyms. The acronyms are good, but uh, but you know, like you said, it's kind of it's a little more niche for the new practitioner. Yeah. Um, but it's still used, so I keep it up there. But there's uh, there's other things coming down the line that uh, that I think will probably take its place in terms of its its. Uh, place in the app right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that a question that, that somebody listening might have right now is like, wow, that calculator sounds pretty cool, but can I trust it? I'm making, sure. I'm making clinical decisions based upon this. Can I trust that it has been built and that it's not going to spit out erroneous information? Oh, what, sure. What would you say to that? That That's a totally reasonable question. It should be a question that we're asking of any tool that we're using, right? It's It's got to have some some relevance. So all of the all of the values that I've taken from this are uh, from the research. In the blood category, if you look at rationales, it'll tell you where the references were. From the local anesthetic calculator, I don't believe I've added the rationales yet, but all of them are coming from textbooks and you know reliable sources. Oh, and and so you could tell someone who may be wary of technology because not everybody out there is a is a programmer like yourself. Uh, in sure. terms of the the back end math and calculations, I mean, it's a secure platform. The math is going to check out. Yes, absolutely. the The thing that I will say, though, as as kind of the disclaimer, and it's and it's a disclaimer that you actually have to sign before you can you can use the application. Is none of these calculators are going to replace. Uh, clinical judgment. So this should be a good starting point for anybody out there if they're looking for the textbook answers. But obviously, if you've got if you've got somebody with you know hepatic failure, they're pregnant, those kinds of things that actually affect local anesthetic toxicity levels, you're not going to want to rely 100% on anybody's calculator, right? You're going to want to kind of have your own judgment, your own clinical judgment, the stuff that you went to school for years on end to yep. to achieve. 
right? So, so while these are these are all really excellent, it's always good to good to have your own head, you know, screwed on your shoulders and and make sure that you're you're making safe decisions. Right. But this right. is definitely this is definitely something that can give you you know the bell curve of answers. It'll it'll give you a good rounded answer according to the research in the textbooks. But each patient has to be treated like their own animal, right? Right. You right. To, you have to treat them all like they're their own their own thing. Well, and and that's true of any resource that you go to. I think is that you need to look at what you know, the information is in a textbook or a journal article, and then apply your clinical judgment. If you know to when you pull that into your practice when you're seeing it in front of a patient. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Where do you think that apps like yours, that specifically this calculator, how does that fit in or what advice would you give to SRNAs or, or anesthesia residents out there who are looking and maybe see this as like jackpot, don't need to learn the equations? Like how does, how does a tool like this fit into their clinical education or, sh- or should it fit in? Yeah, sure. No, I, one of the things I love about the calculator is it, is it, gives, you, it gives you real-time answers in terms of the uh, the typical dosing and such that you need on a day-to-day basis it's a good check for your own calculations you can you can go in and find out exactly how many mLs you had anticipated giving and and see it right there that it is in fact the right answer or the wrong answer and you can use it to check yourself uh, you don't ever you know if if we're talking srnas and and anesthesia residents you don't ever want to <laughs> you don't ever want to say jackpot <laughs> you know, I've got something else giving me the answers, you know, <laughs> you just don't want to do that. So my advice to them would be never, ever take that approach. I'm certainly not taking that approach even with this. I'm, I'm, uh, <clears throat> as time goes on, I'm, I'm watching the the evidence and I'm watching, you know, if somebody, somebody uh, sends me something and says, Hey, this, uh, this particular, uh, piece is correct, but not completely correct. Then I'll go in and make alterations to it. But, you know, <clears throat> again, it's a great resource. It's it's something excellent to to uh, reference, uh, but you don't ever want to you don't ever want to rely on anyone any one thing. Yeah, you, you yeah. want to stay as sharp as you can um, because. And I've had this app actually happen. Um, giving some credit to my <laughs> to my app, um, I've had I've had a couple people panicked because they had a pediatric case coming up, <laughs> and. Um, for whatever reason, I, I think it was probably because they didn't update their phone or, or something. They weren't able to open the app. So they were, they were panicking that they, they didn't know, you know, the, uh, the tube sizes and such right, that right. they needed for the, for the pediatric case. So again, you know, where you, where you want tools that are going to help you in the atmos- in the, in the clinical atmosphere, you don't ever want to rely on any one thing to, uh, to get you through the day. Oh, I mean, it's you the same as, as sharp, people sharp as you can. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the same adage of like on an anesthesia plan, have a plan A, have a plan B, have a plan C. Exactly. The same thing with your resources. It's wonderful to have, you know, I know folks that carry around, you know, printed resource guides, whether it's a, you know, someone's published clinical book or your notes, like maybe not your notes from school, but like, you know, a quick reference here or something like that. But what happens if you leave that in your car? What happens if you leave it in the cafeteria or, you know, you misplace it somehow? Like you need to have your, 
your go-to resources, but then you need to know how to find information. Otherwise, if something breaks down or your phone battery dies or whatever, you know, if you're relying completely on this technology, you've got to have other plans, um, just like Anastasia plan. Yeah. Well, Hey, take us back to the beginning. Where, where did you get the idea to start this app and, and what got you going on it? Okay. So, uh, like I said, in the beginning, a little bit, I, I had spent about a year and a half in school and getting into the clinical atmosphere, I found out that it was very, very different, very different than what we had learned from the books. And half the time you bring up a a book answer to somebody that's been doing anesthesia for a while and they, uh, they want to slap you around verbally and, and let you know that that's, that's the dumbest answer they've ever heard in their lives. So, so, and even, even when you give them the, uh, the book answer, you know, where you got that answer, I had one, (laughs) I had one provider tell me, well, in this facility, it's always going to be this way, even though, you know, the, uh, you know, the evidence was showing something completely right, different. Right, right, right. Anyway, so, so in going into that atmosphere where there was literally a thousand ways to skin the cat anesthesia wise, everybody kind of had their own answer and, and everybody was right. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if you remember your schooling, John, but I certainly remember most most of the uh, clinical preceptors. Whether it was different than the last preceptor you were with, it didn't matter. They were, you know, they were right. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the. I think it's one of the most challenging things of anesthesia school is that, you know, exactly. you, you work with a person on on the first day or you know a particular day, and they're like, "This is the way you always do it," and if you don't do it that <laughs> exactly. way, you're going to get hammered. And then the very next day, exactly. you go in and you're doing that. You're doing what the person yesterday said. This is the way you always do it, and you you implement that. But you're with a different preceptor, and they'll hopefully not berate you, but they'll slap that idea out of your hand and say, "What you know? Why are you doing that? You should never do that. You should do it like this." And it's one of the most challenging things I think of a you know like a three year clinical experience is that you're you're constantly adapting the way that you do things based upon seemingly the whims of whoever you're working with, and also trying to learn the evidence-based practice guidelines to implement a practice. So I, I can definitely remember our professors saying, you know, here's what we're teaching you in school. And it's because it's, this is where it says it in the textbook, in the published literature. But when you go to clinical, whatever your preceptor says that day, that is the way you do anesthesia. Exactly. And they're like smiling and nodding their head as they're saying this, you know, they're like, like go with the flow, you know, just Go along with whatever your preceptor is saying and nod your head and say, okay, like unless it's a patient safety issue thing. And then when you, you know, move on with your own practice, then you can shape it how you have actually come to learn evidence-based. Exactly. And that's, and that's actually kind of where the app idea came from. Uh, Initially, I was very good at doing web applications. So I, I started this web application and it was, it was designed to kind of collect the information that you uh, needed to know initially going into a case and then with the with the opportunity for providers to input how they do it differently which is which to me is uh, you know in the training atmosphere is really annoying right I mean it's is difficult going from day to day like you said doing it in a different way but that was actually kind of the strength of the industry too I mean if if uh, if all these people have different ways of doing it we we can collectively, kind of uh, think tank these different approaches and we, we can all kind of try out these different ways of doing it and find our own best way of doing it. So initially when when I designed this thing, I was planning on trying to collect as many of those as many of those tips and those different ways of thinking as possible 
and I'm still kind of of that mindset. I would really like to have much more input from the user base than I'm currently getting. I get I get a fair amount from time to time, but but not nearly. You know, as many people as that are using this thing, not nearly as much as as could come in. So and so so you're um, looking for that. So again, just to remind people oh, yeah. who are listening in. Pretty much every page that you click on, there's a there's a plus button in the upper right hand corner, and you're looking for people to give you feedback. So tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, how how helpful is that? If someone writes something, are they guaranteed that their update is going to show up in there? And you've also got a way to give them credit. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So so I've got a way to to basically plug in a unique identifier. If you if you click on that plus sign, it basically opens up an email, should open up your email client. And it's got kind of a pre-populated message uh, giving me permission to list you as a contributor, but it also gives your unique identifier. So I plug in that unique identifier from here, jot down some notes, you know, maybe a thank you or two. And then what happens is whatever post or piece of information from the app that you contributed to, it will credit you at the bottom of that post. So there's getting to be more and more uh, folks that are giving the feedback that I'm looking for. Most of the most of the feedback that I get are actually feature requests, which is good. I'm okay with that as well. Um, I tell you though, uh, the real gold to me is the feedback, uh, how people are doing things in in the clinical field. You know, like I say, I would like to know how they're how they're skinning the cat if they're if they're doing something different than what was what was uh, given in the in the app, or if they're finding a case that's not listed in the app, their their rundown of of how they did a particular case is, is absolutely gold. It's going to help the entire user base of the Master Anesthesia app. Yeah, so yeah, that's really what I'm what I'm looking for. Uh, that's I mean, where I'm not gaining any monetary gain from this. Uh, that's really the goal for me is is being able to give the user a new surgery or a new condition. I had a really nice lady uh, send in a a complete workup for a for a condition the other day, which was amazing. Yeah, and so those kinds of things just help the entire community. Yeah, it, so it's interesting. It, it, it's an opportunity for a little bit of crowdsourcing in terms of content from the community. Correct. Uh, but in a place that is free for everyone to download and accessible to anyone who wanted to access that information. So in, in many ways, it's exactly. like, uh, you know, a mobile Wikipedia style app. You're the, the wizard behind the drape, you know, building all of this content out and, and the coding and that kind of stuff. But you're looking for people to actually help you build this from a crowdsourced yes. avenue. That's interesting. And there is uh, there is points that's given uh, to each one of those contributions. So if somebody's just doing a feature request, um, something to that effect, a lot of times I'll just give them a, a hundred point bump in their in their profile. I don't know if you saw it there on the front. It kind of gives a, a badge that that appears at the at the bottom of these posts that you contribute to, and that badge increases based on how many people have have visited the page that you've contributed to. It bumps up based on the um, points that I give, you know, obviously high points for the folks that are actually like putting in surgeries and conditions and those kinds of things. And and a uh, little bit little bit less points for people that are doing just, uh, you know, feature requests um, without, you know, and a lot of times 
a lot of times the good ones will send in a feature request with the information that I need to to make that feature um, actually happen. Oh, interesting. For those, yeah, for those, for those, they obviously get a lot more points for you know contributing for doing some of that legwork for me. Yeah. Uh, versus just asking for for the feature. So in so this point system, I mean, it's a little bit of like uh, an in app incentive. So if you're someone out there who's looking to make a contribution, then you know, you're going to get recognized for doing that kind of work through this point system that you've developed. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. But beyond that, I mean, it's pretty much a recognition system. There's not like, you're not going to like trade those points in, you know, it's not like a, exactly. Yeah. Just a way to, exactly. to give a shout out to people. And well, let's touch on the whole monetary side of things. So currently the app is free and you have decided to not monetize this app uh, beyond maybe your initial buy me a coffee and you got some, you know, some donation funding uh, yeah. that way. So, so I think some people would say, well, why would I, why would I contribute to something that's just making somebody else money? So talk a little bit more about that. Talk about the financial incentive. You know, if there's one now, if there's one in the future, or maybe some of your philosophy around making this free initially and, and potentially keeping it free uh, down the road. Sure. So um, I'm leaning towards keeping it free. The uh, the really difficult part of this is I've got a I've got a wife and and four kids. So <clears throat> so um, <laughs> so time is is not exactly um, in in abundance right now. So the time that that I'm taking to develop this thing out, um, I would like it to come back and benefit my family in in some form or fashion. For right now, I'm I'm leaning towards keeping it free, and I'll tell you why. The, the primary reason is, is um, I've got a real problem with, in general, with apps or, for that matter, textbooks that were necessary for the educational journey there. Uh, it just seemed like it was a giant money grab. And honestly, I'm trying, I'm trying to stay away from being that same, I guess, that same person. So I'm, yeah. But at the same time, I understand, I understand where people charge for the apps because, you know, because they're taking the time and the energy and the risks and such to do these things. So I understand it at one point, but I also, um, I also really like the idea of helping the guy up. That's really trying to, to make it in this world. That's, yeah. that's out there hustling and uh, getting his education or her education. And so I would like to be on the end of supporting that as much as possible without charging them yet more money that they're not making. Is, is <laughs> charging. Yeah. It makes total sense. Is charging for the app, like making it for sale, is that the is that the go to thing in the world of apps, or is there other ways that you can monetize this so it's worth your time and energy? Well, certainly there's there's other ways to to do it. I I could place uh, ads um, yeah. up in the and tastefully. I know that uh, Facebook in their beginning phase is not to compare myself to Facebook by any stretch of the imagination, but. Um, Facebook in their beginning phases um, put up some tasteful ads. His reservations are the same as my reservations. I just don't want to junkify the app, you know, because yeah. all of us have, have had apps that um, you get in and you're bombarded with ads, um, you know, doing the simplest tasks. So I'm trying trying to avoid that as well. You know, down the road, I'm looking at the possibilities of doing maybe some continuing education things um, with the Master Anesthesia app. I've looked at a number of different things. Uh, right now, I'm continuing to code and kind of develop it in, in my side time 
but yeah, I'm, I'm attempting to keep, you know, stick to my guns in terms of not charging for this app. Yeah. Especially for those students and such that are using it. So, right. And, well, and again, I've, I've got to figure out a way to, to make that all work because again, I'm taking time away from my family and such to develop the thing. So I've got to keep the, uh, keep the family happy too. So, yeah, I, I hear you in that, man. There's only so much time you can put into something before those who are closest to you go. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and and I, I feel that with the, with this podcast as well, it's something I've never monetized and, and just to, to bring listeners to the attention of that whole process, you know, I recently put out a show talking about foam or free open access education, which is this philosophy of practitioners, researchers, writers out there, basically doing the work and making that available for free to the community because of like, it's truly altruistic, like because of the impact that it has that, you know, in sync with your philosophy of starting this, it puts information in a more accessible format to raise like the global clinical impact of that information. So uh, exactly. where someone's not going to haul around a textbook or multiple textbooks around the OR, you know, having an app or, you know, from my end, the ability to put a podcast out there and have people listen to that content and have that shape their perspective on clinical is an impactful thing. And so there is this concept of keeping things free and available to people, but on like, you've put it really plain and simple, you know, people who do this also have families. They also have full-time jobs. They have other things in their life that are important. And while altruism and, you know, wanting to make an impact takes you so far, uh, you know, there are crossroads where people have to start charging for things or put paywalls up or whatever. So, exactly. Um, so good luck on navigating that. I know that's, that can be a really difficult thing and a difficult process, but I, I definitely commend you to this point for making something that seems to be a, a really valuable product, uh, available for free for the community. You bet. You bet. Yeah, that's incredible. So what can users expect in the future? You said that you're still definitely in the development phase. I mean, it's out, it's live, people can get it. You can get it in the app store or wherever Google people get their apps. I'm not sure. The Google store, I guess. So you're still developing this, but what are you working on right now? I mean, what's most frustrating you right now in terms of what you don't have done? <laughs> what, what are you putting time and energy into? Uh, yeah, so uh, there's there's been some suggestions down the road and I and I actually got this from a pretty close compadre to uh, guys that are the AANA to put more more resources out there for crisis events. So yeah. that is probably going to become a, a pretty big a big thing going forward on uh, basically algorithms and uh, and very easy step by step processes of finding the answer that you need in a crisis. So. I've got a number of ideas that I'm I'm kind of uh, sifting through to to find out how to best do that. It's got to be again. That's got to be super quick information um, if you're going to use it in those situations. So, um, so that's something that's that's in process. I would really like to have a regional part of the app. I know that it's, it's certainly been a requested feature. Most of the surgeries in there will tell you that uh, you know you can do a peripheral nerve block, and it'll tell you. Actually, I'm actually working on having the actual peripheral nerve block added to that to the case. I would really like to have it where you just you click on that peripheral nerve block and you've got you've got the rundown on how to do that peripheral nerve block and uh, dosages of medications and such that are that are common. 
again, it would almost become almost like a, uh, a care plan for, for any particular surgery that you're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no big deal on building that out. Right. Like right. the no entire, the entire, uh, <laughs> Nysora app built into master anesthesia. So, <laughs> right. uh, so speaking of that, I mean, are there any other core developers? I mean, do you work with people on this on the regular or is it, or are you like the, the wizard behind no, the drapes? Um, yep. I'm the, the wizard behind the drapes, a hundred percent, uh, hundred percent me. Nice. All right. Well, yeah. well done. Well, thank you. Yeah. Just to plug that again, uh, Matthew is looking for folks to contribute, looking for folks to write in. So if you want to be part of a crowdsourced leading anesthesia app, you've got the opportunity for that. So, and so just to plug a little bit more on your uh, backstory, which we've not touched on. So this was actually developed as your DNP project, right? At LSU. So the app launched after graduation, you got going on the groundwork um, as an SRNA and it's something that you're continuing now um, a few years after graduation, you've been a CRNA now for a handful of years. So Kind of talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, what advice would you give for other SRNAs out there who are looking to do either similar projects or maybe, maybe they can contribute to what you're doing as part of their project. Um, you know, talk yeah. a little bit about your story and, and how that got going as your DMP project and then how you continue to, you know, transfer that and continue to work on that in the first stages of your career. Sure. So like I say, when I started my clinical experience, I went in there and found out for me at this at the time it was very very strange like contradictions of textbook versus uh, clinical practice, and so I I started kind of developing this app as a way to collect some of the information that that I would need to know going into a case and and that could potentially help others that were facing the same dilemma in terms of what approach to take. And anyway, I I have this experience of of web design and and development. I started in about two thousand eight doing that, so about what is that? Thirteen years now. I used the expertise that I have in that in that area to start kind of developing this this application. I'd gotten through the majority of my DNP project, which was at the time it was simply the use of normal saline as a as a local anesthetic prior to placing an IV. Pretty simple project. Not simple. None of those projects are very simple. I mean, you have to go through all the all the rigors that you do to to put together your your DMP project. And I was all but done on that project when my advisor caught wind that I was working on this kind of side thing. I really didn't know where I was going with it quite yet, but she got wind that I was, I was doing this and, uh, and said, you need to make this your DMP project. And I got to be honest, my, <laughs> when she said that, I thought, I thought, oh man, sweet! Like this thing is—it's already up and running. I've got, yeah. uh, you know, I've got the number of users that are already using it. I'm like, man, this is kind of like a done deal, man. If I if I sign on to this, I'll, I'll probably uh, be all but done with my DMP project. Wrong, absolutely wrong. <laughs> she she made me do an, a a complete new write up on oh, the thing. No. Um, yeah, so I ended up having to pretty much start from scratch. So by the time I was done with this thing, I had done pretty much two DMP projects. So, but in any case, it was, it was good. I mean, that's just, that's just uh, getting you ready for the years of like (laughs) slogging in, in your home office, uh, behind the scenes of continuing to build this thing out, man. It was just training. She knew what she was doing. That's right. No, I actually, um, I, I'm actually really grateful she did that because I did come across the research that I, I cited to you in terms of, 
the folks that go without clinical answers. And it really gave kind of, it kind of framed up my mind as to the credibility that an app like master anesthesia could have right. in, in the clinical setting. So, and that's proven to be true based on the numbers since launch here in late January. So, so uh, that's kind of what happened in terms of the app. And I've been working on it since I, I exited school and, and I was super excited to see that people were using it and excited about it. And it's grown way more than I thought it was going to when I first launched it. Of course, you've always got the hopes that, you know, things will work out and certainly they did, but, yeah. but, uh, I didn't, I didn't imagine it, uh, being quite, quite like it has been. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, on, on a quick search of the app store, it looks like you've got a ton of positive feedback, over 1500 positive reviews from folks out there in the internet webs. So, yeah. uh, so people are using this, you're looking for more people to give feedback on the app. You've got more stuff planned. Anything else that you want to say about Master Anesthesia or the work that you're doing before we sound off here? You know, I, um, I actually, um, if, if there is anybody out there listening that actually contributed to, to the app, either by the monetary thing, the little, you know, buy me a coffee or, um, or even just selflessly submitted stuff, I wanted to give a, a shout out and a thanks. I haven't had the opportunity to be on a, on a podcast as of yet. And, and if you are um, out there and, and have done that, I can't tell you how much it, it, it means, um, you know, when, when it comes, you know, down to the end of the day and I've spent a lot of time away from family and, and developing this thing, it means the world to have that kind of feedback and that kind of, uh, that kind of, um, you know, props when it comes time the next day to, to start working on things again. So just to, in short, I thank you for fueling my fire in that respect. That's awesome, man. That's, that's so true. I think any kind of positive feedback, you know, from doing the podcast, getting an email to hear about how impactful a particular show was or a positive review online, it is exactly as you just, as you described, it is fuel for the fire. So, uh, so if you're, if you're using master anesthesia app, be sure to rate that in the app store or the Google store, maybe even more important than that, shoot Matthew, some feedback from within the app or, or decide to pick out a topic or medication, a surgery, and see if you can help write that out with Matthew. So, well, Matthew, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about Master Anesthesia. Thank I'm, you, John. I'm very impressed with the work that you've done so far and just commend you so much on making such a usable app relevant to the point, you know, crowdsourced and in a massive way. I mean, I can't overstate the impact of keeping something like this free up to this point. And I know you're, you know, that, that may change in the future and you've got to do what you got to do in your world, but uh, for folks out there right now, if you're not using this, it's a it's an incredible tool uh, that can really, you know, add efficiency to your practice. It's something that I've got on my phone that I've referenced, um, you know, since I've downloaded it. So I just want to say thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. And I look forward to the future iterations and seeing this thing grow. Well, thank you, John, for using your talents to uh, to bring me onto the show. Hey, y'all, John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcast? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.